Hey everyone, this is Phil Albertelli, and this is the Week in Doubt podcast, episode 148. So there was a recent news story I wanted to talk about. I was almost going to turn it into one of those uh, succinct little news bite segments. Still trying to decide if that sounds cheesy or not. News bites. But anyway, I thought the topic was serious and thought-provoking enough that deserved to be discussed on the full-length show. And the story I'm referring to is the recent May 3rd terror attack on the Curtis Culwell Center, um, an event center in Garland, Texas, where a controversial exhibit featuring drawings or cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad were being displayed. Perhaps terror attack may sound like too strong a description, given that luckily no one other than the gunmen died. But it wasn't for want of trying. The two men were armed each with an AK-47 and a handgun, and they were outfitted with body armor. One security guard was shot in the ankle, and I should stop to say that being shot in the ankle sounds incredibly painful. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, as I said, no one other than the gunmen were killed, And uh, it should go without saying that, if not for the presence and quick response of law enforcement, the situation could have been a lot worse. The organizers had paid $10,000 for, or actually over $10,000, for off-duty police and security. And on top of that, FBI, SWAT, and the ATF were also at the ready. So as soon as the gunman opened fire and wounded the security guard, a police officer returned fire with his uh, service Glock, and SWAT quickly joined in and opened fire as well. So those guys really didn't stand a chance. They uh, were quickly neutralized, shall we say. But imagine if these guys had been a little smarter and stealthier and had made it into the exhibit. Uh, and I should have pointed this out earlier. All of this took place outside. The casualties could have been a lot worse. We could have easily had a massacre on our hands, perhaps something on par with one of the school shootings we've uh, become all too familiar with. And a very important point to mention is that ISIS has taken credit for the attack. The terrorist group, not the goddess. And supposedly, according to what I've read, this is the first time that the group has directly taken credit for a terror attack within the U.S. Uh, Maybe they should be embarrassed. It wasn't a very successful plot, uh, thankfully. Prior to the assault, ISIS supposedly encouraged its online followers in Western countries to carry out attacks. The two gunmen were Elton Simpson and Nadir Sufi. It's believed that before the attack, Simpson tweeted, May Allah accept us as Mujahideen, with the hashtag Texas attack. <laughs> um, and then uh, Alu Akbar, with apparently four exclamation marks. Simpson converted to Islam while still a high school student. Uh, Now it seems Simpson had long been on the government's radar. Back in 2007, he was the subject of an FBI investigation and had been recorded stating his desire to go to Somalia to join his fellow jihadists. He gained the government's attention when earlier he had been found to be in contact with Hassan Abu Jihad, I think it is, a former member of the U.S. Navy who had been found guilty of leaking the locations and weaknesses of naval vessels on jihadist websites. In 2009, he told an FBI informant, here's the quotes, I'm telling you, man, we can make it to the battlefield. It's time to roll. If you get shot or you get killed, it's heaven straight away. 
that's what we're here for. So why not take that route? Uh, let's see. He was also eventually put on a no-fly list. Associates of his had been arrested during raids. At the time, they had been planning to go to Syria to join ISIS. And at the time of the May 3rd Texas attack, there apparently was an open investigation of him uh, being conducted by the FBI. His accomplice, as I mentioned, also killed while uh, trying to execute the attack. Nadir Sufi was born to an American mother and a Pakistani father. The mother had converted to Islam at the uh, behest of the father, but eventually they got divorced and Nadir went back and forth between living with his father in Pakistan and in the U.S. with his mother. In the 90s, he attended a private school in Islamabad. Hey, where do you want to go to school? Hell about Islamabad. Now, this is interesting. Upon returning to the U.S., he not only dabbled in attending college, but he opened a halal pizza and wings joint named Cleopatra Bistro Pizza, which closed down about five months before his attack on the Curtis Caldwell Center. A devout Muslim naming a pizza place after a polytheistic queen. Strange. Uh, now, I believe Sufi had trouble with uh, the law, too, but his offenses weren't terror-related. They were mostly traffic and alcohol-related violations. He had racked up over 20 charges for uh, minor offenses, um, but some were fairly serious. For instance, in 2002, he pleaded guilty to alcohol-related reckless driving. But uh, enough about these whacked-out cats. Now for a bit more about the actual event that was being held at the uh, Culwell Center. It was organized by a group known as the American Freedom Defense Initiative. The co-founder and current president, I believe, of the group is Pamela Geller, a highly controversial figure known for being an anti-Islamic activist. In fairness, I believe she claims to be anti-radical Islam, not anti-Islamic in general, but I'm not sure what the exact truth is. And I'm not sure why, but for some bizarre reason, I used to think she was a former uh, quote-unquote real housewife. No idea why. Maybe she just uh, has that vibe. Look her up if you're not familiar. You're, you'll probably agree. She's kind of this middle-aged woman who wears a lot of makeup and has uh, kind of, uh, I, I wanted to say, feisty Jersey attitude. But I believe she's originally from Long Island. Uh, but <laughs> me making fun of people for uh, having um, East Coast attitudes or accents. I know, I know. I try my best to round off my R's. Uh, but anyway, her organization had been listed by the Southern Poverty Law Center as an anti-Islamic hate group. And if you're not familiar, the Southern Poverty Law Center is, uh, I guess you could say, a left-leaning group that keeps track of extremist organizations. And actually, before I forget, it looks like the UK also designated her organization as a hate group and barred her from entering the UK in 2013, which is a little weird. Unless I'm mistaken, Britain uh, and maybe some of my uh, British uh, friends and listeners can chime in. Britain has trouble cracking down on outspoken radical uh, imams, etc., but they'll bar a U.S. citizen from entering because she happens to have anti-Islamic views. Uh, strange, but maybe they were afraid she'd further stir the pot concerning pre-existing tensions going on over there. 
Oh, and I should also state that she made headlines back in 2010 when she and her group opposed the building of Park 51, an Islamic community center near the site of the World Trade Center. Some people say community center, some people say mosque. It's a little confusing because in a sense, I believe a mosque by definition is not only a religious meeting place, but it's also a kind of general meeting place or community center as well. But the event was entitled First Annual Muhammad Art Exhibit and Contest. It makes it sound so innocent. Come on, kids, let's draw Muhammad. One of Geller's speaking guests uh, for the event was a controversial Dutch lawmaker named Geert Wilders, or Wilders, probably butchering his name. Uh, Wilders, or Wilders, is also known for holding... Um, views critical of Islam. Keith Ellison and Andre Carson, both Muslim congressmen, unsuccessfully attempted to block Wilders, uh, Wilders from entering the U.S. And again, uh, I'm not familiar with his views and how ugly or not they may be, but at face value, it seems strange to try to ban someone from entering a country because they're critical of a particular religion. And I know we always have to be on guard against the next Holocaust or against marginalizing whole groups of people. But as long as someone's criticizing a belief system or an ideology and not a quote-unquote racial or ethnic group, I don't see what the problem is. Uh, what about us, the non-believers, the atheists? We're critical of all, or at least most man-made religions. Should we be banned from uh, flying anywhere? But I don't know. Maybe uh, Wilder's views do border on hate speech. I'm not familiar enough with him or his views to say. But apparently he was put on an Al-Qaeda hit list for uh, a short film he made in 2008. Now, putting someone on a hit list, threatening to literally kill someone for expressing themselves. Now, that's hateful. You know, let's keep everything in perspective. But the Curtis Cowell Center event was, as you might have suspected, at least in part meant as a response to the Charlie Hebdo attack, where members of the staff and some visitors were killed by Islamic extremists as retaliation for images of Mohammed that the satirical French newspaper had published. And Geller's organization was offering 10000 to the winner of their uh, Draw the Prophet contest, I guess I'll call it. The winner was actually a former Muslim, and I believe that since the attack, he's had to go into hiding. And speaking of uh, Charlie Hebdo, one of the editors spoke out critically regarding the event. And uh, here's what he said, uh, quoting, Attempts by right-wing activists to exploit that attack for their own agendas. We have nothing to do with Pamela Geller's work. When Islam or the Prophet Muhammad jump out of the news, we comment on it, we mock it, maybe. But we are not obsessed about it. And somewhat surprisingly, some big right-wingers, including Donald Trump and several Fox News personalities, also criticized Geller. I think they thought that she was intentionally being provocative or looking for trouble. Uh, Donald Trump said, It looks like she's just taunting everybody. What is she doing? Drawing Muhammad and it looks like she's actually taunting people. You know, I'm one that believes in free speech, probably more than she does. But what's the purpose of this? Uh, and then replying to what Donald Trump said, Bill O'Reilly said on uh, The O'Reilly Factor, Mr. Trump is correct. By setting up a contest and rewarding 10000 for a depiction of the Prophet Muhammad, the American Freedom Defense Initiative spurred a violent attack. Insulting a religion with more than a billion followers does not advance the cause of defeating the fanatical jihadists. It hurts the cause. 
Now, I'm kind of split on the whole Muhammad cartoon thing. Well, it's probably like a 75 um, to 25 split or 80 to 20, uh, with me mostly supporting the cartoons. Not necessarily regarding Geller, but with the so-called Danish cartoons and Charlie Hebdo. The only reason why I'm not 100% in favor uh, is because I kind of feel bad for the decent, nonviolent people who happen to be Muslim and feel like people are intentionally denigrating their religion. But for the most part, my feeling is that freedom of speech is paramount and we have to be able to criticize religion the way we're free to criticize anything else. I don't think religion should get a special pass just because they offer people some sort of solace or comfort or because they're tied into a person's sense of identity. These are still all man-made belief systems we're dealing with here, and they should be completely open to criticism. I know some people find caricaturing or lampooning a religious figure to be juvenile or insulting, if not downright blasphemous, but I actually think it's a very important and powerful act. Such acts at their best should hopefully get people to think and question to ask themselves, why do we invest certain symbols and images with such importance? Do these symbols really carry any power, or am I just being superstitious? And maybe this is the artist in me speaking, but I think we need people to push the envelope now and again. We need people to shake things up and make people think. And it's funny, I've heard fellow atheists, including one of my heroes, the late Christopher Hitchens, state their distaste for things like Serrano's Piss Christ. I actually like Serrano's Piss Christ. Well, I don't necessarily like the way it looks, it's kind of nasty looking, but I like the way it pushes buttons and makes people think. Even if you're a devout Christian, hopefully it will provoke questions like, why do I get so upset about an inanimate object submerged in urine? Am I emotionally investing too much into this symbol? Perhaps even to the point of uh, approaching idolatry. Would Jesus, if he exists, even care two wags about the uh, controversial exhibit? Is it worth getting so angry over? Uh, but I think it's good to question the power of symbols and to question man-made beliefs and to question supernatural claims. If we're going to progress as a species and slog our way towards the truth, these things shouldn't be off limits. I think maybe why people particularly have a problem with Pam Geller doing something like this is they wonder if she's being a hypocrite. Would her and other right-wingers feel the same way if it wasn't a drawing of Muhammad, but was instead Serrano's Piss Christ or something that poked fun at Judeo-Christianity? Uh, but at the end of the day, no matter what, a cartoon is never, never all capitals, worth killing someone over. And I can't believe it's only been about 16 minutes. You might have been able to tell, but this episode's been mostly scripted. Uh, a, a lot of weeks, the show is the opposite. It's mostly off the cuff. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to uh, talk about. Oh, yeah, I was listening, or rather, I was watching a debate on YouTube today between Justin, uh, is it? Schreiber or Schreiber, one of the hosts of uh, the Reasonable is it Reasonable Doubt or Reasonable Doubts? Should probably do my homework on this uh, podcast. Uh, he was debating a theist, and Justin's actually a really smart guy. And, and I think we've had a couple of Twitter exchanges before. And one time he kind of rubbed me uh, the wrong way, but. You know, I, I have to admit, he, he is a smart guy, and he's actually an excellent debater. But he used the word evidences. 
plural again. And remember when I took Dan Barker the task, just kind of playfully, about when I had first discovered Dan Barker, and I was really excited about discovering him, and I was speaking about how much I liked him and how much I, I liked his kind of mild-mannered temperament, but at the same time his, his strong kind of staunch debate style. But I, I was laughing because he used the word evidences, and I'd never heard that before. Um, and I said that I went pouring over online dictionaries and couldn't find evidences uh, as plural of evidence. I could only find evidence as plural of evidence. But since then, I've heard like four different people, usually very you know smart, scientifically minded individuals, use the term evidences. Uh, it just sounds weird to me. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's uh, used in scientific parlance. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I was also going to tackle a video I recently watched. Uh, it came out a few weeks ago, but I just discovered it recently. It's of Cenk Uger from the Young Turks just kind of going ballistic on Ian Hersey Ali and once again uh, Sam Harris for being anti-Muslim in, in his eyes. And I want to kind of, uh, I've already defended Sam Harris. I wanted to defend Ayan Hersi Ali. It's not like I think they can do no wrong. Are there times when they could have worded things in a more diplomatic way? Sure. But generally, uh, I think they're great assets to the secular atheist community. And um, I have great admiration for the both of them. And I, I think Cenk Uger kind of lays into them too heavily. And I was going to, even though I'm a fan of the Young Turks, kind of take on Cenk and give my critique of, of that video he made. But that might take too long and I'm ill-prepared right now. So maybe I'll, I'll wait till next time. Uh, with that being said, as usual, you guys know the drill. You can like the show on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, listen on Stitcher or on... Um, Wow, total brain glitch. <laughs> or listen on uh, iTunes or subscribe through iTunes, rate the show through iTunes. Uh, you can check out the archives or listen to the most recent episodes um, through Podbean. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Just go to Podbean and look for The Week in Doubt. And I think, um, and this is very kind of solipsistic of me or self-involved, uh, I think if you listen through Stitcher, I don't know if uh, the hits show up on my Podbean feed. Uh, I've become obsessed recently, not recently, I shouldn't lie to you guys, since the show's inception with my number of hits. Uh, <laughs> I noticed them drop off a little recently, I don't know why. But anyway, instead of feeling sorry for myself, I'm kind of girding myself and getting ready for an even stronger assault to spread the news about the weak and doubt. Um, not a Texas Muhammad assault, just like an online media assault. Isn't that strange? I remember hearing the headlines about that story, and sardonically, I was kind of half joking to myself that those are two words that you usually don't expect to hear in the same sentence, Texas and Muhammad. Uh, but anyway, um, if you want to support the show, you can do so via Patreon. Um, just go to Patreon and look for uh, The Weekend Out or Phil Albertelli. And there's a long-ass Italian uh, surname, A-L-B-E-R-T-E-L-L-I. You can also scroll to the bottom of The Weekend Out Podbean page and donate to the show via 
uh, the PayPal widget. Or if you want to, you know, you can help out the show by buying the uh, Brief History of St. Patrick uh, documentary. The widget to do that should be nearby. It's also available on iTunes. And I'm also working on another reward for Patreon uh, supporters. I don't know why this is the case, but a lot of uh, atheists, including myself, uh, just happen to be H.P. Lovecraft fans. If you're not familiar, H.P. Lovecraft is a New England horror writer from the uh, early 20th century. And uh, he, he's influenced a lot of prominent um, horror writers and uh, horror uh, filmmakers, uh, including people like uh, Stephen King. Really creepy stuff. Definitely way ahead of his time. Uh, and a lot of his works are in the public domain. And I've always wanted to kind of do voiceover work. I don't know if I'm deluded. Does anyone want to listen to this drowsy, stuffy voice uh, record a book? <laughs> but I've gotten compliments on my voice. I don't know. Uh, to each his own, I guess. But I'm thinking of taking an H.P. Lovecraft story, one of his short stories. Most of them are short stories. Uh, one of the public domain works, which means I won't get in trouble for copyright infringement, and create an audiobook version of it. And uh, I'll probably give that away as like a Patreon reward. So I'm uh, working on that. So, okay, with that being said, thanks for listening, and until next week. Mm-hmm.